Hello, hello, everybody. This is Brother Ash, your co-host of the Watchworthy Podcast. And I'm Miss Chris D. And today we have a really, really dope episode for y'all. We're going to be discussing basketball legend Bill Russell and his new documentary titled Bill Russell Legend uh, 2023. And it aired on Netflix. So yes. uh, make sure y'all go check it out. Borrow your mom's Netflix <laughs> or whoever you got to do. All right. <clears throat> Not whoever you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> whatever Listen, you got to do. people be doing anything for a Netflix password now. <laughs> Look, get the password. Check the documentary out. You're not going to regret it. All right. So this documentary has interviews with people like Steph Curry, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes. Shaq, basically a lot of legends, younger, um, you know, basketball players like Jason Tatum, uh, <clears throat> Jalen Rose was on it as well, uh, and journalists William C. Roden, Nelson George, and Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe uh, did a great job with this as well. So the doc featured voiceover readings of Russell's memoir, lots of great old black and white photos from the 60s, a lot of the stuff... Fans never seen before. Yeah. I love a good, uh, you know, 60s, 70s kind of documentary. I, I love how the black folks always had the suits and dresses yeah, on back Yeah, man. Then. I just love how we looked in those time periods um, and just seeing representation. Because, you know, you don't get to see a lot of, you know. Uh, you, yeah. It's good to see those photos are being kept through the, you know, all the time. Well, possible. they probably didn't take a lot of pictures back then. They probably yeah. didn't get a chance to take a lot of pictures. I was just saying, you know, we take all these pictures now, but we don't, you know make them we don't print them out yeah. we don't hang them up like they used to so uh a lot of videos and audio and the guy that did the voiceover did a great job it just is a really emotional documentary if you're a bill russell fan um it almost brought me to tears the music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the documentary they had this beautiful music score and it was like uplifting and i was like dang i'm about to cry so i don't miss christy for the for the tears <laughs> in documentaries and i will films. cry the drop of a hat so <laughs> So this documentary, um, excuse me, why we chose the doc, we wanted to learn more about the basketball legend, uh, Bill Russell. Honestly, I am a basketball fan. Uh, I like basketball probably more than football. I'm the reverse. My favorite sport is football. Um, but I always watch basketball consistently when the playoffs come around. Yeah. And you can't watch the playoffs without knowing who the Celtics are. Yeah, I think everybody tunes yeah. into the finals. It's always Celtics versus Lakers. And then you <laughs> almost can't talk to a Celtics fan yeah. without talking about Bill Russell. Right. So I actually forgot to put my hat on for this, but I had a Lakers hat. Um, we just go ahead we'll and... We'll show it to y'all, yeah. We're we'll we going to put the first red flag <laughs> on Bill Russell right now. The fact that he was a great Celtic. I'm a Lakers fan, so red flag number one with all due respect. Uh... Let's go Lake Show. But, but yeah, nah. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to see this documentary because I, I know that he had just passed in 2022. Yeah. And then the documentary came out shortly after. So um, I just wanted to learn more about him. I know that, honestly, last year when he passed, some people were controversial. Some people were like, oh, he was great for civil rights and NBA. But then some people with the whole Me Too movement, they had things to say about him. So hey, either well. way, this documentary showed me a great man and we gonna get into it right we gonna get into it we gonna talk about uh, a lot of stuff that we touched on but while you guys watch we will have a poll question so things to look out for um when we're talking about these things uh to help answer this question is if you were bill russell at what point would you retire yeah he had a long career it was like yeah. 13 seasons with the celtics it had to be longer than 13. so we'll get into it so that's what i want to know like at what point would y'all retire like he was a legend he was yeah. at the top of his game i would have you know some people enough money will make you just stop right there but i tell you i, I tell y'all 
we going to get into yeah, it later. Yeah, we'll get into what, it. What my point is, but I got a point specifically Okay. where I would have retired. <laughs> well, I'm going to get us started and tell y'all a little bit about Bill Russell's early life that we learned from this documentary. So, and Bill Russell himself was in it, but I think it was video from like 2018 or something. So it wasn't like um, they had gotten recent video with him, I don't think. Um, but his early life, he was born February 12th, 1934 in Jim Crow, Monroe, Louisiana. Like, just paint that picture for you. To paint a picture, his father was one generation removed from slavery. Damn. That means, like, his grandpappy was a slave. Yeah, yeah. So. That's crazy. Just think about that. He was born in 1934, Louisiana. There was lynching, there was segregation, um, and so Russell's family migrated to California when he was nine years old, and he grew up in Oakland, California, which we know turned out to be a, a big hub for Black Panther Party and everything. Um, but he said that when he first moved to California, he felt like an immigrant. He felt yeah. like he was immigrating to a different country almost because right. it was that much of a culture shock for him. Like, he finally had access to a library. Yeah. He, that was a big deal to him. Like, that was a point where the you know, richness of America wasn't reaching every place. And it still don't. Yeah. But it was, like, crazy. But like, in 1930s yeah. Louisiana, he definitely didn't have access to a library. You either got money or you dirt yeah. poor. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, and they, they still didn't want you to learn how to read at that time. Like, it was crazy. So, when he moved to California, you know, it was a big culture shock for him. And then tragedy struck when his mother passed when he was just 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So, that really led to him becoming an introvert. He had low self-esteem, low confidence. And it's always so interesting to me how these people who, you know, become stars at first, if you look back at their early life, they were actually, like, insecure or yeah. not great players. <laughs> like, he went on to be a legend, but back then... He was definitely not wowing anybody with his basketball skills. He right. was um, much, a much more of an introvert. And so he actually studied a lot in the library and trained himself to have a photographic memory, which will come in handy later. Um, but he was like one of those people, he said he wanted to like memorize the you know Michelangelo paintings and draw them. Like he yeah. was that good. Um, so that was cool to learn. And so in school, Russell got cut from the JV team. This is what I'm telling you. Like he wasn't good. <laughs> he wasn't that great. Um, he got cut from the JV team, and so it just took one man. I love how in most of these documentaries, it's always like, that one person believed in me and, and gave me a chance. And that's really how we grow today, is, is people, each one teach one. And so George Powell, he saw something in <clears throat> Bill Russell, and he invested $1 for Russell to train at the boys' club over the summer. So this is like the 50s at this point. So it's cost one dollar to train like at the gym. How much the gym, the courts cost nowadays? Bro, you probably can't even go inside the gym and wipe something down for a dollar these days. They probably charge yeah. you for that. So you know that summer of training really helped him move on to varsity, and he later went on to attend the University of San Francisco. Not because he loved San Francisco, but because it's the only place that gave him a scholarship. And that was Stupid just a blessing. That was just a blessing right there, like in the fifties, to get a basketball scholarship as a black man. So, um, you know, his on-court mastery that we know him for today, it would really evolve from him like studying math in college and like just learning. Like I said, that photographic memory plus his math skills, like geometry, right? That actually Man. helped him on the court later in life. Um, and so, college again was a huge culture shock. There was only five black people on campus. Not not in his class, in his on his campus. <laughs> Five black people. It's crazy. And luckily, you know how we do, we buddy up. He got a friend, he got a roommate, Casey Jones. 
And so him and Casey were like this. In the summer, Russell was like, you know what? Why not run track? He, he said, quote, he wanted to get that button-down sweater. That's what he was after, that little varsity sweater at, at University of San Fran. So he said, why not do track? He, um, you know, had the freedom to run and become a high-jumping pro. They even said even the way he did high jump was weird. He, like, kind of got he into just, a fetal position. And he like, went straight over the motherfucking yeah. door. Like, <laughs> I don't know if y'all ever seen a high jump, but it's, like, technique, like... You he had like, no technique. He was like, almost like run a fish and jumping jump. out of water when you see a high jumper in the Olympics. Yeah. He just like No. Pew! He was just <laughs> he had a weird way of doing that as well, but it clearly worked. And so he was it, even a track it. star. It's amazing. Like a six he was six ten, by the way, folks. So he was able to do high jump at six ten. Born to high jump. Yeah. So um, you know, while at University of San Francisco, this is really where he has his moment. He won the NCAA basketball championships in 1955 and 1956. So he's on a roll. And then he joined the 1956 USA Olympic basketball team where they did end up winning gold that year. So that just is like the peak of athlete's career, right? Like the Olympics, like where are you going to go from there? Like that's the highest you could go for real. And as a black person, oh my God, I just keep bringing up race in this because it was very prevalent throughout the whole documentary. Like, he was a figure in the civil rights movement, so yeah. we'll get into that. But this is still his early life, y'all. This is he doesn't even know who he's about to become yet. He's he's twenty something years old, like early twenty, yeah, like maybe early 20, twenty, like, like just turned twenty, yeah. just started growing facial hair. And so he said, for that one brief moment at the Olympics, you know you're the best on the planet. And from there, I'm gonna leave it on a high note. I'm gonna pass it to Josh to talk about his early career, which is which is crazy. Um, as as much of an athlete as he was, and as accomplished as he was as an athlete, um, he only you only feel like that as an Olympian. That's wild to me. Um, completely different now. So Chuck Cooper was the first black player to be drafted into the NBA uh, by a Celtics coach. So Bill Russell was not the first. Uh, Red Auerbach at the time, uh, Celtics, you know, famous legendary head coach. They were known at the time for their great offense, not really having a great defense. Things were about to change in a crazy way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boom, they draft Bill Russell. Um, and Russell had never been to Boston before until the day he arrived in That's Boston. That's a red flag for me. I'm sorry I'm going to have to put a red flag. Go ahead. I'm not moving. I'm not taking a job and moving to another city literally across the country because you're yeah. going from California to Boston without ever visiting. You might want to check it out. Like, where are you going to eat? Where are you going to sleep? Like, you might want to look into it. I'm just saying. Kind of had to. Like, and y'all got to remember, like, I'm, I'm not going to stress this enough. This is before social media. You've never seen Boston before. You've literally never. You may have seen you a picture. You just got to, one, hope that in a you map. like it. <laughs> and two, hope that the racism isn't that bad there. Hopefully the racism yeah. is bearable there, right? And I think at this point, the NBA was still as big of a deal as it is today. Like, yeah. to play professional yeah. basketball, like... So this is like a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah, you kind of got to yeah. take the job. Wait until we start talking about these contracts later. Y'all yeah. going to have some laughs. laughs. Uh, so another another uh, rude awakening, if he thought <laughs> this was not going to be as racist. So uh, he was only married to his wife for like two weeks before he got drafted. Shout out to the way Ohez did it. Again, red flag because if if my man roll with the red flags today, yo. <laughs> because 
if my man's just takes a job and I just got to follow him like these days, I know people do it these days, but we, I would like a little talk about it. Two weeks is crazy, but it's the fifties. Well, so I don't know how long they were dating. They probably got married when they were like 17. But so they had only been married for two weeks when he got drafted. I don't know how long they was dating before that, how, how well they knew each other. Uh, but like I said, he was just 22 years old, um, trying to grow a beard, which his team couldn't stand. So they actually told him that they needed to shave it. They didn't feel it was a small goatee. Another red flag but for this me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but again, you're joining a team. They're telling you to shave. The first thing they do is like, ugh, shave your facial hair. Like that. That to that to me is what they do today. Like telling the little boys on the wrestling team, you gotta shave your locks. But like, this is how much they're not doing it today, though, because they're doing shit like this today. But it's because we had Bill Russell's. Listen to the counter to this. So he basically said, I'll shave my beard when we're champions. Mm. And this is what I love about Bill Russell. Bill Russell act like he grew up without racism. Like, he didn't take shit from a lot of people. I'm talking, you know, and I don't want to spoil nothing ahead, but like, when you hear some of the stories in this documentary, you like you know how bold you have to be to be yeah. in this position, to be a pioneer in your field, to be young, to be black, to be only seen as an athlete. So much pressure. And you get you get challenged, you get tried, as we say, every waking moment of your career. <laughs> they would have been trying me. <laughs> and every time they tried Bill Russell, he Ooh. showed them why you shouldn't try Bill Russell. Yeah. So that was the that was the first, well, third red flag for her. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna show. No, she not. She got more. I know she got more. <laughs> So, uh, getting back, getting back to his career, um, the NBA had racist fans and players, and as the only black person on the team, like Bill, really wasn't feeling it. Um, he felt like early it wasn't really where he wanted to belong. You know what I'm saying? Or where he wanted to be, it didn't feel like <laughs> right. Home, you when know you what start a job and you like, you know what? Did I should I really have I'm, took this shot? I'm gonna leave in three months. <laughs> so like the whole city of Boston was racist. Russell's family was the first black family in town. Um, so he had to get himself a gun permit. The plenty first of, in town. Plenty of scary stories that his daughter actually was on the documentary as well. And she talked about how it was being the only black town and how spooked she was at time when her dad was traveling. Yeah. Uh, so he said and quoted this, I played for the Celtics. I didn't play for Boston. I like that. You know what I mean? Like even now we hear players being activists and it's because, you know, Bill Russell was that guy. He said, yo, I don't play for this city that doesn't welcome my family. Are you crazy? Yeah. I play for the Celtics. The Celtics respect me. Yeah. So. Well, um, that's, that's kind of hard because it's like separating the job from the city. How can how can you, you know? At the end of the day, you boil it down on a man provided to it for his family, though. You know what I'm he saying? He truly like, did yeah, just see it as a that's job. That's what it was. Like, you didn't have the luxury, you know, penthouse apartment as yeah. a rookie in the league now. He had a regular house in the community with everybody else. Yeah. Um. So even as Russell uh, became a celebrity, white people still wouldn't let this, you know, let him be in hotels, restaurants, whatever. So they're on the road traveling. He's, you know, that's crazy. Still Imagine if LeBron James was like, I'd like to stay in your hotel, please. And they're like, nah, we don't let blacks in. Yeah, y'all gotta stay at the one across the street. And or, it's or, dusty or and dirty and sleep in your car. Sleep in the basement. We'll throw y'all some uh, beanbags filled with shit. Imagine if they said that to our stars today. LeBron James, Steph Curry. So, um, you know, he's just a black kid, like, thrown in the stardom. Uh, and this is like the same time, like, at 55... Um, was when Emmett Till and Rosa Parks, uh, dude, that whole situation. So like, this is during his college basketball career. 
um, into the um, you know NBA. And like a fun fact about Russell is that he said like he always got nervous and like threw up before every <laughs> ball game. Like, and it's, I would just imagine like being like on the court with these people that are hating you and all of these yeah. things going on around you in the world. Um, imagine trying to play for white people when Emmett Till and Rosa Parks are out there at the same time. Like, yeah. And you know, he remembers that trial and everything happening and you know, he's like seen as a basketball player. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, off the court, you're seen as maybe even more intimidating as Emmett Till. He, he was 6'10". Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's no telling what type of, you know, criticisms and rhetoric he heard just walking around the streets mm-hmm. of Boston. Like, so uh, but him and the guys, like him and the team that he played with, they had great chemistry. Obviously, you want to get along with the dude that you know is probably the greatest basketball player you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so that was easy for them to get along with him. Uh, so the Celtics versus Lakers rivalry goes back to like this point in the 50s when, you know, uh, those two teams were always going at each other's necks. Bill Russell was the leader of those teams. Um, yeah. I so- didn't realize that, like, where it all started from. And... I found out it was because Bill Russell joined the Celtics and they got good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I also just want to like give a, a like kind of like a shout out to his coach Red Auerbach because like he um, Bill Russell wasn't the only black yeah. guy in that draft. He actually drafted his roommate KC I mentioned earlier, yeah. so he got to play with his college roommate so again. So as they're playing against these other teams in the NBA early in his career, going through all this racism, they like wait y'all got one playing on the court and like now another two? one Oof. now two like Uh-oh. you know what I'm saying like Uh-oh. so but he started something clearly look at the NBA now shit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah this is like way back when they were still playing in Converse's and Chuck Taylor's so I'm gonna let that, pa- that part was hilarious to me I was like <laughs> babe they're they're literally still playing in Converse Chuck Taylor's at this point they're not even wearing the Nike deals and that's why LeBron could play for 20 years that's wild to me. Because them Jordans and LeBrons got a little bit more ankle support. Yeah, yeah. So, Bill Russell's career ended up... Wait, was... In 2022, this is a sidebar, was Bill Russell the guy that everybody made a big deal like LeBron was about to pass his... No, that was Wilt. Oh, okay. But that was Bill Russell's rival. Okay, okay. You know, and Wilt was much more of a scorer, so that's why that title was... Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, Bill Russell ended up playing for the Celtics for 13 years. Guys, I just want to give you a little dates from 1956 to 1969. Mm-hmm. So, really the heat of the 60s. All right, so um, we're still in his career right now. At this point, NBA... Fans, everybody, the press, still all white, still have their bias, still white audiences putting all eyes on this young black man. So then it wasn't really until Wilt Chamberlain just came on the scene that we just mentioned until, you know, now there's basically the clash of the two NBA giants they saw. It was literally like Bill versus Wilt. And so this really stirred up some drama. And I love how... The press still do that today. It's like, oh, there's two black women in hip-hop, let's put them against each other. There's two black stars, let's put them against each other. And it's like, they really actually liked each other. They really didn't have any beef. It was all like, your name's being smeared in the headlines. So, a little bit about Wilt. Before before joining the NBA, he played for the Harlem Globetrotters. And mind you, this is the 60s. So... People kind of saw it like a minstrel show back then, especially Bill Russell. Yeah. Bill Russell said he would never play for the Harlem Globetrotters. So I don't know if, if anybody's ever seen a Harlem Globetrotter game. Like, if you're not a kid watching that shit, sometimes you'd be like, God, dog, bro. I wish <laughs> somebody would just shoot the fucking ball. Like, it's a lot of... Like, 
you be looking at the shot clock and shit like, damn, bro, like, I'm going to be doing the most. Oh, like, my God, I'm cracking up. So, Bill Russell was a no bullshit kind of dude. He like, I don't want to fucking play with these fucking clowns out here. Like, He literally thought they were clowns. Oh, my God. But nevertheless, you know, they had this NBA clash of the Titans. Bill respected Will as a player, and they ended up, Selling a lot of games, selling a lot of tickets. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I can't believe back in the day the NBA was like, ugh, we can't have black people in the NBA. People will never, they thought people would never watch the games. You gotta be stupid. (laughs) Like, you, I know y'all seen all them brothers at the courts with no experience just. Through the legs, dunking, you feel they me? They wasn't even going in our neighborhood. It was driving baby. past them like, oh, look at those nope. monkeys. They don't know how to play the game. <laughs> no, that part, because I think the we'll fuck? get into it. You know, like, Bill Russell kind of changed basketball and, and his type of dynamic playing is what we know today. Before Bill Russell, it was still like, just a little pass and shoot and that's all they were doing traditional basketball traditional basketball 50 style (laughs) basketball that's all they were doing none of this like crazy fast-paced you know trickery that we have today on the court and so bill russell like i said he really was so good at it because he incorporated geometry mathematics Mm -hmm. and him and kc since they studied together they were like this like those two on the court were untouchable and so um, at this time, we also want to give a shout out to Elgin Baylor because he was, you know, another black player yeah. um, involved at this time. And they said in the documentary, quote, he was Dr. J before Dr. J. Wow. He was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. That's tough. So he played for the Lakers. Uh, we know that this is a documentary about the Celtics dynasty mostly, but... You have to think about the other black players who were like sprinkled. They were starting to come in now because Bill Russell opened that door. And he he made them finally see like black players have worth. Like, oh, yeah. we should get some more. Arbacher ended up getting five. So he knew the, the value in black players. Yeah. And so by 1962, Russell was moving on up. He has some championships under his belt. Like I said, he just won back to back to back to back in the early, uh, the late fifties and the early sixties, and so I think he only missed, he only lost like one championship in there. And so um, by nineteen sixty two, he has some championships under his belt, and he decides to move to Reading, Massachusetts, where he thought he was embraced by his community. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where you get those. He called Bill Russell called them in the documentary, phony, radical, chic racist <laughs> mm. that's what he called them yeah and so he thought that he was embraced by this community but he tried to buy a house in town and they literally petitioned against him yeah. to buy a house in this town so i thought these were my neighbors i thought these were my friends so like i feel like when he first got there it was pushed back because like whoa what is this black family like doing in our neighborhood and then people start whispering like, oh, no, that guy averages a triple-double every week or every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, but you want to buy a house? That's too much. That's taking too So far. now we love him. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. But, oh, you're buying a house in the nicer side no, of town now? No. Nah. That's not happening. No. We don't think so. <laughs> I, I just, I was flabbergasted that they literally like, imagine somebody put a change.org like, Brother Ash cannot move into this neighborhood. Racism is so fucking stupid. Like, I, you cannot it's, be... It, it is. You cannot you be an intellectual and be a racist. You can't. You just can't. 
And I literally wrote in my notes, he's just trying to raise his three kids, damn it. Literally. He, he has three kids at this point. He's trying to find a home for them. And like Brother Ash said, the, the daughter was in the documentary and she talked about how hard it was on her family. And so by 1963, he's risen in fame and he uses his platform to amplify the civil rights movement. So this is where we really get into the nitty gritty. Because now, you know, this stuff has been burned inside him, you know. He wants to speak on it, but he's just trying to find his place in the NBA. And now that he has some clout, he's about to use every ounce of it. And I love that. Um, it's not shut up and dribble over here, boo-boo. He was no. not shutting up. No. And so um, Russell even leads a march from Roxbury, which was a black neighborhood in Boston. And that just goes to show, like, you're, like Josh said, averaging triple doubles last week, and now you're in the streets marching with us this week? Like, he was so humble, he was so down to earth, and all he really cared about was his community. And so, um, that was literally my next bullet point. He was so humble. (laughs) (laughs) He even declined to go on stage during the March on Washington because the other civil rights leaders were like, yeah, Russell, you're one of us. Get up here. He was like, no, no, I don't want to steal the shine from MLK. Like, are you kidding me? But nah, that's that's so, like, I respect that that, because this whole thing was was like, I didn't put in the work. He said they did, they like the March on Washington wasn't like a summer event. Yeah. Like they had planned that for a very long time and Bill Russell had known, but was contributing from a point where he was like, you know, this is their moment. Yeah. You feel me? Like if I go up there, they're going to start talking about the game last night. But like, you know what I'm saying? So like, he didn't want to steal the shine from the most important people who really put in the work. No. And so, um, you know, at this point, he's just trying to get his hands dirty in the movement. He's just trying to do what he can. So Russell also helps run basketball clinics in Mississippi, 1960s Mississippi. He decided to take his talents down there and just see how many kids he could help. Mm-hmm. And people warned him, like, don't do this, man. It's a bad place right now. Yeah. And he still went. So I really respect that. And so by 1963... Um, the Celtics also, sorry to steal the light from Bill Russell, but the Celtics also had a pretty good white guy at this time, yeah. Bob Cousy. Him and Russell, you know, worked hand in hand. They had a great relationship. So in 1963, Cousy, he's about to retire. And, you know, Bill began to question if basketball even mattered at this point because he was so focused on civil rights. Yeah. So now you're kind of split brain. You're like, okay, on the one hand... I'm doing this job. It's just Mm -hmm. a job. I'm dribbling a ball for money. But on the other hand, look how they treat my people on the outside. And so he said, quote, I'm in the same search as all Negro men at this point for my manhood. So that was really deep. And in the 1963 to 1964 season, Russell, that was one of his best, best, um, you know, seasons in his career. And by 1964, they were starting five black guys in the championship. This is what I'm saying. Like they're adding more people. The league is, you know, getting a little bit more diverse thanks to the floodgates being open on the Celtics. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine black An people. Unstoppable leading. team. Led and by, they're the only team with five brothers starting. They was on to something for real. Gee, and and people wonder <laughs> how can we win thirteen championships? Now, now don't get it fucked up. Eleven, sorry. <laughs> it's some it's some white boys out there. It's some Asians out there. It's some Latino brothers out there and sisters that can cook. Why did it take y'all so long? Because, like you said, they they really didn't care about us until they saw dollar signs. They really like, didn't 
think that I'm sure they knew that black people could play black basketball, the but game, they didn't know that they could even. They didn't even know to go outside the rules of basketball and switch up your game and add in fast-paced. You know some of the things that because you see it kind of. They weren't even doing layups. You see it evolve more and more. You know as time goes on, we witness Kobe and LeBron, but years from now there will be another athlete that is even you know finding some type of way to wow people like we've never seen before, right? But even just the way Bill Russell thought, like it wasn't just sheer athletic ability. Yeah. He truly viewed the game as an artist. Like, yeah. That photographing memory. Time and time again, just picturing the same plays, all of the still things we see in the NBA today. I'm not going to dive too uh, into the, you know, <laughs> into the techniques and all of that stuff. But I'm just like, wow, like y'all denied this greatness for so long because you were afraid. And imagine how much more... Or just more... because you didn't like us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's and crazy. It, it really is crazy to me because racism literally just comes down to the color of my skin and that's so dumb to me. But um, imagine also, he he won 11 championships under that pressure. Imagine if he had the pressure of racism lifted off. Like you said, maybe he could have went for 20 seasons like LeBron. And then it raises the question, would the edge still be there? Because I bet you... It, it, it Are you felt... saying he had to kind of fight harder for it? Nah, I'm I'm just saying, like, when you don't... When you know that this guy standing in front of you could call you a boy or tell you to go sit in the back of the bus or step in your shoes and laugh and, you know, the powers that be would take his side any other time, but on this hardwood floor, you're going to dominate. Because if I dunk on you tonight... Everybody's going to cheer. Yeah. Once we leave here, I can't get this off on you. That's true. So I feel like a lot of athletes back then in the day use their platforms to not only elevate our people, but to take out some frustration. Like, yeah, that's you know a mean? good point. They said in the documentary <laughs> that he was strategic about his shit talking. Uh huh. You gonna feel this? Yeah. You gonna feel this? <laughs> like. <laughs> so at this point, though, he's a little conflicted. I'm conflicted. Y'all gotta check out Brother Ash's song, Conflicted. (laughs) But he really is torn at this point. And so, meanwhile, Wilt Chamberlain, he don't give a fuck. Wilt Chamberlain's here for the money. He said he was not as involved in civil rights. And that was a little disappointing to me. I'ma just throw a red flag. Because as a black man of the 60s, how are you not giving a shit about civil rights? I don't know. We have people today who don't give a shit. Now, Wilt, we did mention this already. Wilt was a Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah, that's true. So, did you feel like that was kind of sellout? Or? No, I don't. I think that what Bill Russell did is extremely hard. Everybody can't be Bill Russell. Everybody can't be Muhammad Ali. Um, you know, it's not easy to be an activist and to be the greatest in your career at anything. But, um, yeah, I, I think Will's just main focus was basketball. Yeah, you know so I mean? much so that he made sure to get his coin. And so, if for the first time ever like in NBA history... He got a three-year contract for $100,000. And so, you know, Bill, Bill's like, hey, this the kind of power we got? Yeah. Bill decides to get a contract for one hundred dollars no, $100,001. $100,001. <laughs> Just to be petty. He wanted to get one extra dollar over Wilt Chamberlain. So he said, where else could I demand this kind of salary? Yeah, honestly. Um, it clicked for him. 
And people in the documentary said that Bill Russell will obviously be a $500 million player today. Wow. But they were doing it for $100,000 back then. Um, do you even, is that like the G League these days or? Honestly, I don't know what the G League contracts are looking like, to be real with you. Um, but back in the day, that that's crazy money. Back in the day, we should do one of those calculators. Like, what is 100,000 like, <laughs> at that time today? That would be that's crazy. That's probably like 100 today. million today. I, I mean, shit, I, I don't really know. I feel like that's fair though. Like, yeah. Back then, that could get yeah. him three houses in town. Because like, they were the best basketball players in the world. So yeah. Like, yeah, that's so that that's really people were like, oh my god, I can't believe he's asking for this kind of money. But he's like, why not? Where else yeah, am I gonna get this kind of money? Facts. They say he changed the game forever too. Like after yeah. that, like we start seeing you know things change. Yeah, set the market. So Russell was an interesting mix of athlete and thinker, as we've said. He never signed autographs after 1964. That was like a pride thing for him. Yeah, he said he just felt strange about it, and now we now we see why. Word. Because athletes, because college athletes be out here to sign and they signature away and not getting paid for it. Yeah. until we started having these NIL deals. So red flag. Yeah, red flag. No red flag for not signing the autographs. Oh, th- you you this, think that's mean of an a, athlete? This is a trauma red flag. Oh, <laughs> Kareem McKenzie. He played for the... I'm calling you Ooh, out, Kareem. You asked for an autograph? Kareem McKenzie went to Willingboro High, right? Played for the New York Giants, right? I can't write this up. Oh, you got hurt. Right? Won two Super Bowls with us. <laughs> Came to school the day we was playing against the Patriots, right? I'm a diehard Giants fan. Patriots undefeated this year. I'm like, yo, we winning. Everybody calls me crazy. Come to school on Sunday. Now what? So a few weeks later, Kareem McKenzie comes to the school, right? I'm gassing everybody. I'm getting an autograph. Like, y'all mad because y'all favorite team <laughs> didn't win the Super Bowl and none of, nobody from Willingboro ever played on it, y'all favorite teams. But I, this is my situation. I'm going to get an autograph <laughs> from somebody from Willingboro that know all my coaches and, t- and everybody and from my favorite team. Kareem ain't give me that autograph. I'm sure. He yeah. said no to me twice. Twice? <laughs> yes. At the school and at the event that the high school Aww. had. I was like, you know, ever since then, I was like, you know what? I ain't never asking a grown man for his autograph yeah. ever again. Yeah. And every time a child asks me for an autograph, I'm going to give him that, John. Just because Kareem ain't give me mine. But they going to sell it on eBay now. Never mind. <laughs> but red, that's my trauma red flag. But no, I... I <laughs> Apparently, some people back then thought it was a red flag. People what? back then literally were mad at him for not signing autographs anymore. I get it though; he was in his bag because he, he he truly felt like you know he they was called on, him arrogant. Like he was on display though, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I'm gonna get felt, a girl, Russell, yeah. like little white kids that you know, a a white child, a white boy that's ten years old probably has a higher place in society at that time than a grown black man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you get more privilege and more rights and more justice. So, yeah, little Tommy asking for my autograph, but his dad calling me the N-word. I'm not signing that shit. Yeah, no. But he was, even with his friends, though, he was the same way for everybody. So I respect it. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah, didn't. You know. <laughs> I'm going to have to give an award to that guy. In the in the documentary, wasn't he like, here's my unsigned copy of Bill Russell's book. <laughs> it went unsigned because wow. he, he wouldn't even sign his signature for yeah, his friends in the yeah. book 
Um, so yeah, his daughter ended up saying that you can't let the fans own you. He was unapologetically himself at all times. Now, Josh, tell us how his middle career was looking. So mid mid career is when we start to see a shift. Um, because you already talked kind of talked about you know how his mind was kind of shifting from yeah. I love this thing, but now I'm not as passionate about it. So from 1963 to 1965, Russell was feeling survivor's remorse. Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing playing, you know, basketball, making all this money, breaking records with contracts? Uh, uh, but, like, my people are catching hell and getting holes down in the streets mm-hmm. every day. You know what I'm saying? He's in conversations with our leaders. You know what I'm saying? The people that are out there fighting, seeing people get shot, assassinated right. over this, and you play a game every day. You know what I'm saying? So right. he had that guilt. So, like, from 1965 to 66... Um, that season will be read our box last because he wanted to retire and he asked Bill to succeed him as coach. Wow. Which You're, is crazy to he me. He couldn't, he couldn't find any, he said he couldn't find anybody else to take the job. He was like, only Bill. Bill Russell is so crazy and so amazing. He was the greatest basketball player ever. Then one of the greatest coaches ever wanted to retire. The only person he saw fit was Bill fucking Russell. So at first, Bill Russell was like, he nah, no. I'm good. <laughs> and I feel you, bro. I don't want to be a fucking coach and a yeah. player. like, Which I didn't know was a thing until this documentary. Uh, the Celtics won the championship against the Lakers for the fifth time that year. F y'all. They was on the street. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they still couldn't find a coach that was a good fit, though. After winning a championship, they still couldn't find a coach. Yeah. So, Russell became the first black player coach. Wow. That really did shock me in this documentary. Um, and maybe that's a red flag. The man had an extra work on your plate. Look, Y'all know how it is at work when they're like, you're so good at this. Why don't you why take don't this you on, too? Why don't you do everything? We won't pay you shit else. Just keep doing, be, keep being amazing. He literally has to be both <laughs> player and coach. But this is what this is what bugged me out about that shit, though. Because, like, uh, this is what the old heads be talking about when they be like, this nigga the greatest of all time. Yeah. Because, look, I think Kobe could have coached. I think LeBron could coach. But to actively be a player coach at the same damn time is crazy. I've never um, heard of no shit like this before. I was going to say, I think even Magic Johnson may have tried it with his time at the Lakers or something, but people say it's hard. And that's how you know he wasn't as successful, because if Magic was successful doing it, we wouldn't not know about it. He'd be yelling it from the rooftops. I was the first player coach of all time, baby. Lake show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you they, know how magic was he, was he good at it? Was the question. <laughs> was, was they good at it? So, of course, after that, uh, they lost the 1966 and 1967 mm, yeah. season. Uh, and then Bill got all the heat for that. That's what I thought. Point your finger at the brother. <laughs> no, literally like, oh, we lost? After having five straight championships, Word. it's his fault. Even his career being like 13 years long and only and him having 11 rings is crazy. Y'all do the math on that. Yeah. He only lost two years, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so by 67 and 68, he was trying to corral the team after the last year's loss. Um, and then the Vietnam War started. It's always the Vietnam War. The fucking... In every documentary, <laughs> you know, life was going good, and then the Vietnam War. <laughs> so it's a lot of stuff going on in the culture right now. Uh, Muhammad Ali was refusing to go into the U.S. military. We all know about that story, um, about his stance, about how, you know, Vietnamese, man, never call him a nigger or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I respect that, yo. And, you know, they was boys. So, you know, that affected him as well because people knew that they was in cahoots. So if it could have ended his career and Bill Russell was there for him. Like, um, as if you don't already have enough on your plate. Yeah. Now you're going to be right next to Muhammad Ali's side. Like, that's wild. Boston tripping after you won him 10 rings and you yeah. just lost one. 
Now your boy getting scrutinized for doing the right thing. Um, so he could be counting on the challenge things that were not correct. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't switch up. A lot of, you know, I'm not going to say no names, but we have some celebrities and role models now that we feel like kind of go with the trend That's of, what, so true. of what's important. Whereas Bill Russell stood on the same values that he stood on in 1956 that he stood on at the end of his career. Wasn't no black squares on Instagram back then. It Look, was... He was he was really in the trenches. He really lived this life of of uh, active activism for our people. Um, so uh, another round of applause for him just for being who he was. Um, so MLK Jr. Um, excuse me, Martin Luther King. That just sounds weird saying MLK Jr. You don't like MLK Jr. MLK Jr. Like Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You have to say Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. every time. But unfortunately, this was the same year that he was it's, assassinated. It's so much. Like yeah, it's um, just so much going on. So now you've lost a friend. Um, Russell's most satisfying victory was beating Philly in the playoffs after coming back from a three to one loss. Um, and then going on to beat the Lakers in the championship. And I think that was his first year. That was his first win as coach. His so first, he finally, yeah. he They lost his first year and his second year as coach, he turned it right around. Which is just like unheard of uh, to be able to win an NBA championship as a player and a coach. That's wild. Um, and the coach, you were still a player. I'm that's not wild. sure if that's ever yeah. been done I don't, again. And it probably will ever be, yeah. never be done again. Uh, <laughs> they probably wouldn't allow that because that's probably some type of... There's got to be a rule against that. Word. Like, you can't just coach your, <laughs> yourself. It's funny because people always say, like, LeBron ends up being a GM wherever he goes because, like, yeah. they, just, they just let him call all the shots. So maybe he is the unofficial coach and we just don't <laughs> know about it. Um, but he said this, um, which kind of stood out to me. In fact, let me touch on something else first. Um, just, like, how, like, that kind of whole, like, you know, dominant you know, span of his career, him winning so much, you know what I'm saying? And then only losing those two, like, I feel like maybe he just wanted to like add that to the career. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, like, he probably had his own little bucket yeah. list. Like he wanted to keep <laughs> achieving more and more. But like, this is what stood out to me getting back on point. He just said like his contribution, my contribution is very, very minute. Um, so humble. And I guess that like, at the end of his career, him just seeing like, what he was really doing for the culture, like I literally achieved everything, yeah, multiple times. Um, but I also thought he, you know, maybe felt like he was losing his passion, like the flame wasn't as bright. So because of that, maybe he wasn't as connected or contributing as much because he knew his heart was no longer in the game of basketball. He he did it as a player, he did it as a coach, he did it as a player coach. But now he knows, like I'm I'm tapped out. I thought. He just was being super humble and saying it was more of a team effort. But in reality, I think we both know that they would not have won without no, him. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So you're not my new at, my, at all to this Maybe team. <laughs> some of those with, you know, Koozie and the other two guys, if he still ended yeah. up drafting them. But, like, you just can't. Yeah. The Celtics would not have no. this winning streak if it was not for Bill Russell. Hell no, bro. 11 rings is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we didn't even talk about his other accolades, like all-time NBA, Hall of Fame, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like the points and the... All-star, blah, blah, uh, blah. I think it was a game. I wrote down the stat. I'll check it out later. But like some of his stats just jump out at the page at you. Yeah. It seems like some shit out of a video game. Like um, March 15th, 1969, Bill says he mocked the game of basketball... For the first time, 
Um, and that's when he knew it was over soon. <laughs> when you start cracking <laughs> jokes like, ah, this bullshit-ass job, they yeah, don't pay me enough. I think like... he said, like, they was uh, in the huddle or something, and he started laughing and, like... Oh, yeah, it was, like, dead-ass serious. And it probably scared the shit out of everybody because he was, like, the serious one. It was, like, it was like a dead-ass serious game, and he just started bust out laughing. Everybody's like, you good? Like, almost <laughs> also, like, what are we even doing here type he, Yeah, he, he just, he really had that moment. That's so, sad. So, yeah, I would have been like, damn, man, Bill losing it, I'm out of here. This goes back to the question like at what point would you have retired because like I probably he made it to the 13th season I probably would have retired after the second season sweetie yeah that's crazy um, especially after getting some good bread yeah. <laughs> but this will be his last season he barely made it through the season uh, but he beat the Sixers so he beat his rival uh, I think was Chamberlain still on the Sixers or did he might have got traded by then I think he had moved to the Lakers um, yeah. but still that that team though rings some bells for him yeah uh, the Knicks and also he faced off against the Lakers uh, for the seventh time as well uh, Wilt Chamberlain was traded to the Lakers in 1969 so it was Wilt and Jerry West against Bill Will got hurt <laughs> and I'm not laughing at his injury it's just what happened of it which was hilarious uh, Wilt got hurt in the se- last seconds of the game um, and the Celtics win so Jerry West is still hurt over that. He calls it the Celtics curse. He literally still to this day. Like you can see him like kind of get tense and yeah. Pissed in the in documentary, the he was like, "We wouldn't have lost." Like, don't ask her. Jerry West. <laughs> Nobody else asks Jerry West about that shit. He's been through enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let him just gracefully never have to talk about that again. Yeah. Uh, so Bill Russell announced his retirement in Sports Illustrated for twenty five thousand dollars, and that was a big payday back then. That was we we didn't have the whole it's LeBron crazy. James the decision televised like motherfuckers is tweeting. this was his you know big splash so he was like i'm retiring after 13 seasons for twenty five thousand dollars. but i'm sorry one more thing what was funny about the will chamberlain thing getting hurt was like it's really a no-nonsense nba back then like people would play with a broken leg broken arm bill was pissed and they actually like had a little bit of a beef between them for a little bit because he felt like will should have played. He was basically like, if I sprained my ankle, I would have played. So why didn't he? And so he honestly felt like it wasn't a, it wasn't a true victory. Like I don't even want because because Will wasn't playing. I, I don't want the eleventh ring. Yeah, you can have this one back. <laughs> Chamberlain wasn't on the court. Yeah, <laughs> that's how he was acting. <laughs> so um, yeah, at this point he retires. Now, what do you do after you just play basketball for thirteen years? What do they do today? They probably start a, a fashion line or an influencer podcast, right? <laughs> um, he even said himself, "This was him venturing into the outside world after thirteen years in a compression chamber." Mm. You are under the NBA's thumb for thirteen years. He said he didn't know life without basketball. So he packed one suitcase and drove his Lamborghini to California, where he got into entertainment. And that was a red flag to me because I'm like, what? What happened to the family? We just stopped talking about the family. What happened? After this right? Point. Yeah, I don't then know. Then this random white woman started talking. Ended up being his wife. Oh yeah, he did remarry. Yeah. So me and Christina was like, wait. I was like, press what? rewind. They had to say what? something about this. They really didn't mention, you know, Rose and the kids left Yo. or anything like that. But we can infer that they didn't work out. Oh man. But Russell still credits his basketball career to Rose. Yeah. Her pep talk. Absolutely. How else do you think he was getting through vomiting and, before every game? And I'm sure he still took care of, you know, what he had to take care of. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to so. dive too much into the personal because yeah. one, it's not my business and two, they didn't on the documentary. 
Yeah, we're kinda, just covering the documentary. Yeah. They didn't say nothing about his marriage. So we'll so leave all that other they stuff. They intentionally left that out. <laughs> y'all start y'all Google, Google searches yeah. and all that, but yeah. So um, the thing is, he's like, okay, I'm gonna be a movie star. What happens when these athletes try to become movie stars? <laughs> You're not good. <laughs> he wasn't great at acting at all. So, in 1973, I guess he got his sense together, and he moved to Seattle to coach the Seattle Supersonics. Um, and then, I, got, I don't think that lasted very long. They said he served as an NBA analyst and then later became a lecturer. So, most people just turn to public speaking. If mm. you can't do anything else, teach. So, in 1974... <laughs> Bill, I had a professor tell me that one time. Really? Yeah. He's in, this he's, is the education system. Y'all. He literally said, after undergrad, if you can't find a job, just go to grad school. If you can't find a job, just teach. Damn. Yeah. So <laughs> we got those teachers that just teach. I too, think but... um, any NBA players out there, if you're not an NBA analyst, then just teach. And so by 1974, Bill was honored by the Basketball Hall of Fame. But as we have said throughout this documentary, he was very humble. So he didn't even want to go to his own induction ceremony. That's ridiculous. That's why people that's, probably hate Yeah, it. that's probably a little salty. That's a little stubborn. And so Bill once said that going back to the... Fuck Will it, Ch- though. Go crazy. Go back to the Will Chamberlain thing. We're talking about the two biggest NBA giants at this time. But they had beef for like decades and so finally bill once said he thinks he's a genius but he's not about will chamberlain and he's that's when it really started like okay i'm never talking to this guy again like that ass and will what happened was like josh said he was mad over the whole injury that's how pissed. it all started like it really upset you that much you're that competitive that's why they don't respect our basketball though because he would literally play through a broken ankle. I'm not doing that shit. That's a red flag. You don't pay me enough for that. At all. And so... They get paid more. It literally wasn't even until the 1990s that they finally spoke again. Oh my God. Because Russell was finally, um, you know, having a public ceremony to retire his number and everything. And Wilt attended the ceremony and that's where they squashed the beef. And I'm glad they did because Wilt Chamberlain ended up dying well before Bill Russell at the age of 63. So I'm glad they at least got to hash it out. And so Russell went on to receive many accolades. He also received the Congressional Medal of Honor from President Obama. We love to see it. I think in the documentary, I was asking Josh, like, does everybody just get a Congressional Honor? No shade, but I feel like maybe. I feel like President Obama was handing them out a lot. He wasn't just handing them out a lot. The people that got them, it's dope that they got him. They did deserve because it. Because no other president might do it. You're right. You're absolutely like, That's exactly why he was doing bro, it. So exactly. Right. Barack got up in there and he said, I'm going to recognize all my niggas. So that means that he didn't <laughs> receive a, a Congressional Medal of Honor for like 40 years after his career. But I Hey, look, man. At least you got that shit. But it's crazy because Bill Russell did live to the age of 88, so he got to see the Colin Kaepernick phase. Mm. He said that he, you know, really looked up to Colin Colin Kaepernick, and um, he said that he was really inspired, you know, by, like, what went on. He he felt close to what, what he was going through. Wow. And so, as we said, Russell died in 2022 at the age of 88, and the NBA has since completely retired the number six. I don't think anybody else, does anybody else wear six? Maybe they made an exception. Now that LeBron. I think about this, job, I think they retired. They must have recently retired because yeah. LeBron was rocking six last year. I think they sure. like just retired it. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and so to wrap things up, if you want to read more about Bill Russell, his memoir is titled "Go Up for Glory." Mm. So 
that's a wrap on Bill Russell Legend. This was a dope documentary. Um, like I said, I was almost in tears by the end of it with the the violin music and the uplifting yeah. and the. And so I'm sorry, but speaking, that's a red flag for me that I had wrote down. Is that he actually auctioned his memorabilia seven months before he passed? Oh wow! So that was my red flag that maybe he knew and he did that to you that's know, crazy. Yeah, give his fans something and then leave something for his family as well. Oh. So R.I.P. to Bill Russell, man. I love that beautiful story. It was dope. Watchy Awards. You yeah. have somebody or something you would like to give the Watchy Award to? Yes. So y'all know, you know, I'm Brother Ash. I'm big on my people. And uh, my Watchy Award is going to go to a quote. Um, and it said, uh, a quote from Bill Russell. He said, slavery is the utmost disrespect. Period. <sighs> that... Quote. Man. We need that shit framed in diamonds. Yeah. And he was... He was... Think about what we said earlier, like your grandpappy was a slave. He said, that shit is the utmost disrespect. How dare you enslave my ancestors? And then you go on to be a legend in their sport. That's sickening. That is a generational disrespect. I don't even have one after that. I'm trying to think. Um, I didn't want to like give it to... A white savior after this whole document, <laughs> after this whole but I don't want to say white savior but I feel like sometimes we do need that one person who believes in us that one person who yeah. you know inspires us and I I do want to give it to Red Auerbach whether he was just you know trying to have a championship with a team or if he truly was invested in these players we can't deny the fact that he was the first one to start five black players in a championship game. He was the smartest motherfucker. Yeah. So whatever his motive was behind it, I just want to give my Watchy Award to him for actually doing it. Word. And I just want to say to all of you other living or dead GMs, anybody that's seen 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 15 blocks. Oh, you found the stats? As wow. an average in college. That was college? That's what he averaged in college. Wow. Have you ever heard of anybody averaging 15 blocks in this motherfucker? <laughs> averaging a game 15 blocks? Oh my God. And you trading people for ice capade tickets? <laughs> that was that really upsets me. Uh, th- I don't know if we went into that part, but y'all need to Google Bill Russell ice capades to fully understand like the behind the scenes of how he got drafted because... Like I said, Red Arbach had to kind of do what he had to do to get Bill Russell. He wanted Bill Russell, and that he made it happen. So those are our Watchy Awards. And what's the poll question, babe? Poll reminder, if you were Bill Russell, at what point would you have retired? And yes, for me, take the poll on Spotify. It was after they gave me that contract. I would have fulfilled that contract for 100, 100, <laughs> 101, three times for three years. And I would have been like, after I get that, probably would have had like nine rings by then. Or whatever. You know me, child. I probably would have retired after the first season. After I realized, like you, you know when you have a job and you like, my I'm feet only hurt. Be here for six months. <laughs> what, is that me? Yeah, my feet hurt, babe. Yes. I don't be in the NBA no more. My feet. my feet would be hurting, and I would be sick, and I would be tired of the white folks in Boston. Um. So that yeah. Man, Thirteen clip with them white folks. No, after they tried to petition against me to get a house, I would have been like, "What? What I got? What? Fuck what I got y'all. to do with this?" <laughs> I would have started hooping at the at the at the uh, at the course round away again. Nah. I would have joined know. the Harlem Girls Riders. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. That's it. 
it's been dope. Shout out to y'all for tuning in with us this long. Kind of lengthy, but it was a dope documentary. It was really good. So make sure y'all check it out. Subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget to fuck with those poll questions. Love y'all. Peace. <laughs>